the switch would go and then this this motoring would happen in my head I just this overwhelming sense of panic and I would start being awake all night just thinking like I'm it sounds so dramatic but I was thinking like, I'm not going to be able to go back to being a functioning member of society welcome to the adversity to advantage podcast I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Today, I'm really pleased on the end of the line, we've got Seb Abekasis. Have I got that right? You've got that very right, Ooh, correct. Yes, oh, that, that was the, my big stress. Welcome to the show. <laughs> no, no problem, thank you for having me. It's so good to have you. Um, and so we've only known each other a, a short while. We met at sort of at a networking Christmas party and have since talked a bit about both of our stories. Um, so I'm really excited that we've been able to uh, arrange this. So Seb is a growth manager at Time With. Tell us a bit about Time With and, and what you know gets you up in the morning. What are you excited about at the moment? Sure. So Time With is a platform which connects people with therapists. Um, we were founded about 18 months ago because our founder had a very difficult time himself when looking for a therapist and it kind of compounded his issues because it just dragged on a lot longer than it really should have. So we've basically built a platform that makes it super easy for you to find someone who um, is suitable for you. You you can also have personalized advice. Um, you can have a one-on-one -on -one chat with a care coordinator and basically book a consultation in no time. So we're basically um, quite a young company, so really, really energized about, about that and kind of hoping that reaches as many people. Which, um, which is fascinating. And so I'm curious about how it's maybe different from, from other sort of directories. Like how does it make it easier for people? Well, so, you know, directories, they have you know, a lot of information, but they don't really sort things, you know, in line with what you're looking for and what you need. So they have some, they have some basic, basic filters, uh, but they often just sort of list people alphabetically or how, you know, in terms of how far they are away from you. But we can't, you know, we give you, you know, a bit more control and what information you can give us, you can give more details. And like I said, you, there is always someone, a member of our team who can speak with you and walk you through the process. So it's a lot more personal um and you know we think hopefully a lot you know a lot more kind of comforting rather than sort of being this you know faceless directory um so we kind of think we make the process easier quicker and just a bit more you know a bit more reassuring really because it can be pretty scary i mean i'm a therapist myself so i've been on the other end of it um but just i've been a client as well and trying to find the right match and it isn't always the most qualified person is it it's what is it about that, you know, their mannerism, their empathy, their ability to connect with me? And that mm -hmm. can often be scary for people. Like people often come to me for advice and they're like, how do I choose the, the right one, right? Um, and I often suggest try a few out um, get to, to get a sense of them because it's about the match more than anything, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, it's ultimately about the, you know, about a relationship. Obviously, in particular cases, when you have a specific issue you need addressing, you might want an expert. But yeah, I think it's, the reason it's difficult is in the first place, a lot of people don't really understand their mental health that well. 
So firstly, you're kind of struggling. What exactly is wrong with me? So you have that whole problem. Yeah, what am I even looking for? What am I? Yeah, exactly. What's wrong with me? And if you don't know that, then you don't know what you're looking for. And when you get to looking for looking for therapists, um, there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of acronyms, there's a lot of jargon, there's a lot of accrediting bodies, um, which don't really speak to the client. Um, And so obviously, then they have all these different approaches. So people really, so the whole thing is a bit of a a bit of a fudge, really, often. Um, and then often, you know, you actually find someone, you get in a room with them and it turns out that, um, you just don't have that connection. And when you are being, when you're opening up and you're kind of telling stuff that you've never said to anyone in, you know, a lot of therapy sessions, you know, you, um, obviously, you know, there's an implication in terms of the kind of person you want to be speaking to and the kind of, um, you want to feel relaxed around them and, you know, and not on edge all the time. Totally. Um, so, but then but then they're the authority as well. So people often feel a bit insecure if they're like, something didn't feel right, but they're the expert. So do I have any right to go, this isn't right for me? Yeah, that's that that is I mean, I've even noticed that myself in therapy. You you once you start, you're kind of on your own. You know, you're on your own with um, you know, you're in the hands of the therapist. Like you have six sessions, you like, maybe in some cases you're lucky and you you feel immensely better. But often, you know, you're kind of on on a good path, you're improving. Um, but you don't really know, like, is this is this what I needed? Is this is this where to leave it? And obviously, responsible therapists will will tell you. But you know, even aside from you know the, the awful possibility of a therapist kind of taking advantage, often you, you might not know is this the type of therapy that I needed? Is this kind of really working for me? Should I be shelling out all this money because it obviously is expensive? So <laughs> that's another problem which we're not tackling at the moment. But I think um, is an important one. Just that whole notion of being you know just you embark on this voyage of therapy and then you basically you know you can just your best hope is you've had other people that have gone through similar experience who um, can talk you through it exactly who can kind of you know share share their experiences completely anyway we could talk about therapy all day um for me anyway because i'm just like i'm fascinated from both ends and when i get therapy now my therapist often has to tell me to stop doing the therapy and be the client and i'm like oh right so it's an ongoing process of learning but hopefully you learn some skills right along the way so that you don't always like i think successful therapy is that you're not in it for the rest of your life which is what some therapists are like like it's just ongoing therapy forever um so I want to get to your interest in this topic in the first place, because I know that you've uh, had some experiences yourself around uh, mental health and adversity. But take us right back for a minute to like childhood. What mm-hmm. was Seb like as a child? Give us a little bit of context to, you know, what was it like growing up? Do you think um, the, the education system, your parents kind of set you up for the real world? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, I grew up in a little bit of a bubble in, in the south of Spain. So in a sort of expat place called Soto Grande. My dad's from Gibraltar. And so I went to an international school, you know, very nice and sunny, that kind of thing. So uh, wasn't really, ha- never really had to face the challenges of, you know, real life for a long time. Um, then I came to board to board in England. I was actually kind of all right with that. I was kind of aching to be independent and do that kind of thing. So how, how old were you when you boarded? I was 13. 13. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so was, I guess I was pretty shy pretty introverted um but i was very very lucky if i'm if i'm being honest with the first um you know i mean even up until now but you know my childhood i had i had a great childhood the downside was that um you know i was pretty lazy um and you never had to fight for anything well exactly and so um you know i later tried to counter that by sort of putting myself in situations where i had to kind of scrap you know so i would like 
um, I would, you know, I would, it's going to sound ridiculous, but, you know, I would sort of say, you know, I would shut off, you know, when I was studying, doing a master's, I was basically telling my mum, like, no, you're not going to give me any money at all. I'm just going to make this happen, my, you know, for my, I'm just going to make this year work. I'm going to be self-sufficient. And I just, because I realised that, you know, instead of shouting at me for being, um, you know, for being shy, you've really got to be smart about the kind of messages that you're sending and kind of how you're, you're building someone's personality. So I kind of realised that if I wanted to change, if I wanted to be a bit more energetic, if I wanted to kind of um, have more drive, um, I really needed to kind of, make that happen myself so put myself in situations where it's kind of sink or swim but what um, made what do you think made you realize that like what made you go oh i don't want to do this because because it sounds like an easy life right you can be a bit lazy you can get, get a yeah. few handouts you can be all right like what made you go no mom like actually i want to figure this out for myself yeah well i, well, I guess um i so my parents are like my like i, I they don't have too much of, of an income so i always knew that i I was going to have to fend for myself. So I was kind of like in a, in that balance between not being super wealthy where everything's taken care of, but being sure. that right amount of wealth where I had like a very relaxed childhood, never had to worry about anything. Mm. Um, and, you know, but then without, um, yeah, exactly without the kind of, the kind of stresses. And so um, I, w- I was kind of in that balance. So I realized that I'm, I'm lazy, but I don't have life sorted for me. So <laughs> I need to- You better sort to- something out. Exactly. I need to basically figure out how I can change myself. Um, Did you, would you say that you had um, mentors or people that you looked up to at that time that sort of you wanted to be like them or you were learning something from them? Um, not, not necessarily. Um, not really. I mean, I had, I had quite a, a, a grandfather who was very charismatic and was quite a big figure in my life. Um, but I, I really wouldn't say that I, that I did. Um, I was more of kind of too introspective for that almost. So I've always been incredibly kind of almost obsessively introspective. So I analyze absolutely everything that I've done. I analyze, um, I would start, I would just lay awake, lay, I would lay awake at night, kind of just scanning the last five years, just kind of dissecting everything that I've done, the way that I, the way that I changed, the way things had happened to me and stuff like that. So I was potentially too kind of caught up in that to be looking for, looking at particular people to, to model myself on. Did you do you have did you have siblings? Do you have siblings? I have, yeah, I have a, an older sister. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, who we have a close relationship with, but very different. And I think that's the other thing. I'm very quite different to my my, my parents and my sister. Um, my, so I think that so that yeah exactly. So that had that kind of had impact. I was kind of more head in the clouds, um, introspective than sort of in. Whereas my sister was kind of opposite. She'd taken a lot of mannerisms and stuff like that from my close family. Whereas I took I took less of that being um, I think I was rena- a renowned space cadet. Is that uh, what we call it? At school, yeah. Seb what, the space cadet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of staring out the window during class and stuff like that. Which is great for the imagination and things, isn't it? Which is which is good. I kind of realised that um, I've done a lot of thinking in my life uh, because I'm often yeah I'm often not engaged in, in stuff like that, and so kind of realised that you know that's often why they say you know space cadets. They, 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 you know, you develop more creativity and stuff like that because when you, um, you know, when you do a lot of thinking, you get good at it. <laughs> when you yeah. do a lot of stuff, yeah. when you, there's a lot of mileage, um, you know, that kind of has its, have its has its impact. So that, that's something that I feel that I feel has been quite important to developing the person I am now. I really value that, like, in that time on my own, like just like walking 
half an hour back from work without a podcast, without music, without reading. Really? That kind of stuff. Um, I just kind of like to have a good hour a day, just not doing anything. It's almost like a lost art, right? It is. It's completely, it's completely lost. Um, and I, I mean, I think, you know, it's not, it's not that counterintuitive, right? I think that a lot of people are aware of it and, you know, you see there's articles, I mean, there's articles, you know, talking about this stuff online, Hmm. but you know, you know, a lot of people fall prey to the, um, the busyness epidemic, those tech guys and 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 the sort of busyness, you know, the whole sense of of being wired all the time. Always yeah, one of those guilty, I'm one yeah. of those. I'm so guilty. Two hands up. Totally guilty. Yeah. So I can see that when adversity did hit, you had some habits in place about how you thought through things or how you fix things in your own mind, how you were self-sufficient, how you um, could, could sort of rely on yourself to sort things out. So so talk us through the, the adversity, the challenges that you face later on. Sure. So, so that kind of mindset of, you know, being intensely analytical um, and kind of being seeing myself liking to think that I'm independent actually kind of created some issues for me. So when I was doing a master's and I was taking these um, prescription drugs and I started having quite bad side effects. Um, and I think w- one day was in particular, was really bad. I had a panic attack I, and I had never had anxiety in my life. Like I was one of those kids. It's like, I never worried about anything. Like I said, I, I, I grew up in sunny Spain with <laughs> little to worry about. So never worrier, not very stressed in exams. Like, I, all that kind of I tend to do okay with exams without working too hard that kind of thing um did you even and, know anything though about mental health as a kid or no I didn't really I had a cousin who she often suffered from anxiety and mm. I you know I admit now I, I kind of used to judge. tell her to get on with it. I used to tell her to get on with it. I didn't judge her badly but I was just you know I was just like look it's 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 nothing just just crack on with it right um and so I hadn't really had any experience with it at all um and so had this panic attack and kind of hit me quite bad. I, like over the course of the next month, I would have certain triggers. So I'd be lying in bed at night um, and it just, just a switch would go. Like I'd be struggling to sleep, a switch would go. And then this, this motoring would happen in my head. I just, this overwhelming sense of panic. And I would start being awake all night, just thinking like, I'm, it sounds so dramatic, but I was thinking like, I'm not going to be able to go back to being a functioning member of society, all this kind of thing. Cause like this had been happening like, like over a course of like a month, like just nonstop. Um, Do you think it uh, was it connected to doing like your masters and like pressure that you were putting on yourself well, that, there? That's what I thought. So, so after the after all this happened, I'd obviously stopped taking these prescription drugs. But after this happened, the kind of more intense panic, the more intense like sort of flashback panic attacks kind of kicked off. But then I started having all these um, all these like physical symptoms. So I'd have like tingling in my face, like around my nose and stuff like that. And at first I was kind of like, that's weird, but it's fine. But then yeah. I would kind of get a bit more uneasy about it. I'd feel a bit anxious and I would get gradually more stressed about it. And this was kind of as my dissertations were coming up. And so I was kind of like, maybe it's to do with that. And, and I never really worried. So I was kind of a bit skeptical, but I kind of thought maybe it is to do with that. Right. Um, and I had this timeline of September. This was probably about July time. I had this time, time timeline of September when I was going to start my job, my first job. And so I was like, if I'm not sorted by then, like that's going to be absolutely awful. Um, so did anyway, you, did you keep these symptoms hidden at this point from anyone? Did, could people notice or? No, I don't think people could notice, but it, so, but it kind of, um, until I, I started telling people, but I don't think anyone could tell anything that was wrong with me, but it was kind of like part, it was like heart palpitations, like on a daily basis, like 
started getting worse and worse and worse. And they'd have like really, really tight temples. Um, whenever lights would shine too much in my eyes, I would kind of like start almost, almost triggering. I would have really tight chest. Um, and it just basically started getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and then anyway, the dissertation got handed in. And I thought maybe it's just all going to disappear now. Amazingly. Yeah. yeah. Which it, it didn't. And then I got more stress and then we're getting to the end of August. And I'm just like, I've literally been by this point, it'd been like sort of six weeks every single day. Like from when I woke up to when I went into bed, like I, even two, even this is what, two years later, I still feel these symptoms, even though they're kind of a lot more controlled now. But um, I had a period of like six weeks every day just being like, what is wrong with me? Like feeling anxious pretty much nonstop. Um, then I finally kind of was like, okay, I need to see a GP about this. He was like, oh, have you considered going to counseling? And I was like, I don't have any problems that I need to speak of, all that kind of thing. Anyway, I was Googling and started Googling anxiety and talking about generalized anxiety disorder. And that talks about incessant worrying. You know, are you worried about your exams or some people are worried about their, their mortgage and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm not worrying about anything. But so I was kind of felt really alienated by that. And we kept on getting kind oh, of So more. it didn't feel like it, your, your kind of Google research didn't feel like it quite applied? It, it didn't apply because I because I, I didn't think I was um, I didn't think I was worrying about anything and I couldn't really find that I was just like it, you know I was basically thought I had a physical problem sure um, I thought I had uh, yeah I basically was googling physical like I was googling stuff like physical symptom of anxiety without being anxious and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. um, and so obviously th- then you start getting like wondering what the hell were the side effects of this prescription drug is this has this rewired in my brain um, start getting really really worried um and then yeah going to the gp and actually before that i saw a doctor in spain and she was just like um and i was like maybe it's stressed to exams i don't know and she was like life stressful what can i say Ooh. which which really which really didn't help things so then the gp referred me to counseling i start googling and was feeling completely lost and alienated and then anyway the job starts and i'm just like i've got to crack on now and I did was, you had you talk to friends or parents or anyone? I didn't tell my parents. I didn't want them to worry. Um, I spoke to my cousin about it a lot because um, she had had you know she had had anxiety problems as well. And then eventually, I spoke to a friend of mine. He said a friend of his had something that sounded similar, and he ended up sorting it by going to see an osteopath, um, um, which is like a chiropractor. So this kind of fit into my physical my illness, my physical thing. Sure. And so, because my body was getting incredibly tight and cranky and like I had just immense, like immense pressure from head to toe. Um, and like I, and you know, I was struggling to, I was struggling to sleep. Um, I was having like, sh- like shouting in my dreams. I was kind of having like screaming in my ears and stuff like that, like when it was getting really bad. And so I had, so anyway, when I would go to see the osteopath, it would release the symptoms, but then it would just be like two weeks later, I would have built myself up to the same point again. Um, and, and so I was basically going through the first few months of my job, just getting through the day, really like struggling to sleep the night before. Um, and just kind of sitting in meetings, just like, like on the verge of a panic attack the whole day, like literally from like, I'd be there from, I would get in in the morning and it would be till 5 30 PM. I would literally going minute by minute, just trying to stay occupied. Holding it together. What was the environment like in that first job? Did it feel like a place where people might've been open about things like I this think, or yeah i know it was i was lucky with that i was also lucky that um i was feeling quite really energized about the job i was really excited about it i was doing i was doing well i was impressing people and stuff like that and so i had a real sense of purpose 
which really, really helped me. Um, and I just want to highlight, sorry to keep interrupting, because sure. um, I just want to highlight for, for the audience how somebody can be totally suffering. Like you're, you're literally saying minute by minute, you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it through and to not let everyone see you completely fall apart. But yet on the cover, so the outside, you're achieving, people are impressed by you, you're doing enough to get by, you're, nobody notices. And I think there's a misconception sometimes that we always just notice somebody freaking out and that that's when we intervene, when actually there's a whole other way that this can show up, right? Where you're totally look like you're functioning, but there's all this stuff going on. Completely. No, it happened recently with a friend of mine. He told me he'd been self-harming and had really, and he'd been on medication for anxiety and depression for the six years that I've known him. And he was the most. You see him. He's the most like joyful, charming, energetic guy. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so that yeah, it's, it's, you're completely right about that. Yeah, fascinating. Um, so the workplace was um, okay. You felt pretty lucky. Um, you're, you're continuing to have these symptoms. You're trying to do the, the physical sort of support for it. Like, how bad did it get? Where did it get you? Um, well, I mean, it got so after the, the sort of the osteopath was that was sort of like my last, like, you know, the last chance saloon. I was always like the last place I had to turn because I, I didn't think counseling was, was going to help it or therapy was going to help it. And so it got it got kind of dark where you're just kind of thinking, well, am I going to be able to live a normal life again? Mm. Um, you know, you get depressed, you get sort of like, well, you know, life. I never got you know suicide or anything, but you know, you just you, you know, you start thinking like, well, this is this it's too is much. Crap. Yeah, yeah, this is crap. This is crap. Um, and oh yeah, so another thing I, I forgot to mention is that it would kind of get better, and I could, and when I would focus on something at work, I could kind of forget about it, but. I, what started triggering me was like I was having this and I'd get better um, and then I would like get triggered by like stuff I ate um, so I, if I would have like sugar I would have like greasy foods and stuff like that and so I'd basically have a period of maybe two weeks where it was slightly better and I'm thinking oh maybe I'm getting out of this and then I would eat something unhealthy um, and then I would basically just have another have literally have a panic attack on the back of something I ate uh, and this is what really started compounding it because then I started thinking, okay, so if I just don't eat that, I will be fine. If I don't eat that, I'll be fine. Then I stopped drinking. But then every single time I started doing this, the triggers, I became more and more sensitive to, to triggers. Of course, because you're so cutting the, things out. And then when you do introduce them, that you it sort of sets you off again. Exactly. So I, I was thinking, I, there was one point where I was like, look, if I don't drink, if I don't eat this, if I don't eat that, if I don't eat that, and, and I'll be fine, right? I, I guess I'll be fine. But then I was just literally nothing was setting me off and then that that was that was bad um and yeah that was pretty bad and so that's kind of as, as bad that was kind of like the the worst of it right um, but at what point did you transition in your mind from thinking these are only physical symptoms to realizing that you actually had anxiety or that you were going through a psychological issue yeah so i mean um i think it was a com- it was a conversation with a friend of mine um and I was basically, I was basically talking to him. I was like, it's, it's physical. It's physical. I can tell you I'm not anxious. And he was like, look, these physical symptoms that you had, did yeah. you have them before this incident, before you've had this first panic attack, before you were taking these? And I was like, no. And he's like, exactly. So there's clearly something underlying. I just remember the way he phrased it. Um, I was out at a gig with him or something like that. And it kind of just made had sense that realization. Yeah, yeah, I had that realization. And that was kind of the first part of, um, the first part to kind of getting, you know, getting better and moving forwards. 
So talk us through that, because I love the stories of, you know, everyone loves the Disney version of it was really hard. And now I'm working on this amazing project and life's amazing and cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. Everyone loves that story. Uh, but talk me through the middle bit. So you get this realization. What are yeah. the first steps that you, you sure. take to, to begin to look after yourself? Well, one thing I mentioned is prior to that, what helped. So, you know, I was getting super, super stressed and stuff like that. The one thing I was trying to do was sort of embrace it and instead of lamenting, like, why did I, why did I try like to drugs? If only that wouldn't have happened. Oh, I see. Yeah. Which makes it really difficult to accept. I was kind of just like, and I'm like, am I ever going to live? And obviously you wake up every morning thinking, are the physical symptoms still there? So, I, so before that, I had kind of got better at getting comfortable with the notion of this could be it. Like, just assume that you're going to go around with these physical symptoms for the rest of your life and you're just going to make the best of it. So that Manager. was kind of, mm. exactly. That was the first thing. The other thing is I was, tried to get energized by it out of the fact like, like I mentioned earlier I never had adversity um, and so I was I was I've always been quite good at sort of like mental gymnastics in that sense but I was working really hard to frame it like I was sort of like saying this is my battle you know a lot of people have come from really difficult backgrounds you were so lucky there but you this is a this is a tough spot you're in and so these are the things these are the opportunities that you have to build a strong resilience and build a strong character so I used to that used to really get me through as well. That used to really energize me. But ultimately, um, it wasn't kind of getting rid of these things. So once that happened, I, I basically just had this realization that all the things, like I said, I had stopped. I um, It was also like exercising hard that would trigger it sometimes. Whenever my body... So oh, it would the, trigger it. Because sometimes yeah. we, people talk about exercise helping, right, when it comes to mental health issues. So... Yeah, no, so like a light exercise like running would be okay. Um, and I would actually feel better for like, you know, half an hour after that um, and stuff or like, you know, a couple of hours after that would kind of help me. But if I had like did, if I had played football and it was a particularly, you know, intense game or something like that, I remember I once played it indoors in like a really humid gym, like we were underneath the indoor swimming pool. And then I was fine. Next morning I woke up like with my legs spasming and like just completely overwhelmed by, yeah. by anxiety. Um, did so, it did it affect your work at all when it got worse, or were you always able to kind of yeah. keep up appearances? And I think, and this is what you learn is that when you're when you are at, at, at some days, yes, but I think when you are really focused on something, it it really does help. Um, and so I I wouldn't say I suffered too much. I was definitely not performing to my best, but like I said, I was you know everyone was pretty pretty happy and pretty impressed by me. Um, and that was another thing. A lot of people say this is in, like not advised, but I was also very proud of myself that I never once didn't turn up to work. Hmm. Um, so a lot of people say, you know, obviously take your mental health sick days and stuff like that. And that's, I absolutely support that. But in my particular case, I was really, really proud of myself, um, for having kind of just kept at it. And, um, I don't think yeah, it's always really the stopped. solution because sometimes you take time off, you're out of routine, your brain just goes right that made it worse that's yeah a, my, my weekends were a lot worse because i was just sitting there like right i'm just here with my anxiety no distractions I'm, I'm just here with this you know just with this i kind of call it like a sort of like an awareness so it wasn't like i so i was only thinking about the anxiety right i was only thinking i was like i said i'm super analytical so i'd be like walking around and i'd be like oh um i'd be like maybe it's this maybe it's this maybe it's i, I ate something okay how is that going to affect me and all that yeah. kind of stuff so all that kind of introspection that i had earlier trying to be on. like a scientist on your own mind and body exactly so all of that was basically just kind of made it really hard for me to snap out of that and i got so deeply embedded in all this like i so got like obsessive like, i got a million miles deep into the thing that i've obviously 
you lose you lose track of the big picture. And so eventually having this conversation um, kind of made me realize that all the, like the way I was living my life, I was like, you're sending signals. I kind of realized, it actually made me learn a lot about how incredibly smart the brain is. Like I realized that all of this, all my behaviors, all of this, like stop, do, don't do that, don't eat that, don't drink, do all these, all these, all these negatives, right? yeah, all these negatives, all these things that you're avoiding. I mean, that's symptomatic of someone who's scared, who thinks that they're under attack. And so, what I kind of realized that all these things that I was doing were just sending a signal to my subconscious of like, watch out, watch out for a sharp increase in blood pressure. Yeah, because because it, you know, he's because obviously the whole thing started with prescription drugs that I was taking so my body was very sensitive to like what I was taking in and stuff like that um and so I started realizing that so you're like looking for the anxiety in everything exactly and so yeah. I started realizing that it the way to get out of this is to live a life have a set of behaviors that are consistent with someone who's okay um so yeah. if, so does someone who's not anxious do they think do they do they, you know, ruminate for like an hour after they've eaten something? Do they, do they double, do they like second think, second guess everything that they're doing on a day to day basis? Do they not do this? Do they not do that? Do they, do, do they change the way they live their life? No, someone who's absolutely fine in a healthy in, and living a healthy life does what does what they want. And the only way, the only things that restrictions are maybe more discipline based stuff, but they're not making day to day things out of fear. They're not making day to day decisions. And so I kind of realized if I can do that. Then, then the rest will follow. Like, so I live stop. like a healthy person in your habits, in your day-to-day -day time. Create those sorts of that sort of setup. Exactly, because you can't, you can't, you can't impact how you think. You can't impact if you're going to sit there um, and you're going to think about your anxiety. You can't, you know, help if you're going to ruminate about certain issues and stuff like that. So all you can do, you know, focus on what you can control. Right. And so what? And so what I could control was turn up to work, keep turning up to work, um, do my best. Don't don't be stupid and start like you know eating the greasiest foods and the crappiest foods and drinking loads. But just uh, um, and this is something my therapist. This was before I even saw the therapist, but she gave me clarity on after was like, you know, because uh, I said, why don't I just go and eat you know shit loads of greasy foods? So yeah. I hope I can say sh shit. Yeah, loads. you you can please. That's Great. fine. Um, <laughs> So like you know, so why don't I just go and do that? And she said, "Would if you were fine, would you do that?" No. So like, just think about what is a balanced way to be living. And so when I started doing that, um, everything got got a lot better, basically. Um, and um, it, I don't know, everything everything just pretty much followed from that. And then you start building confidence. Um, and the way I think about it, this is like you got it. Like you're kind of a, some people are kind of generally quite stable but often we're like in positive or we're negative or virtuous loops yeah and so you depending know, on life our environment exactly. our predispositions all of that exactly and so one, when i started kind of thinking well at least i'm building myself up at least i'm making less concessions in terms of what i eat and you know kind of worrying and and how and, and i'm starting to live an increasingly more normal life so it wasn't immediate but that kind of energized me and i started noticing that things were better and better and better um, and it, sometimes it was tough because you'd have, you know, you'd still, you can't help that at the, you know, in the individual instance, if you're saying, okay, I'm just going to like eat a burger and chips and have a donut and some ice cream after without kind of, um, sure. you kind of sit there and you'd be like, okay, why well, I've had panic attacks on the back of eating this previously, this kind of stuff previously. So, you know, you're kind of a bit nervous. So you've got to kind of confront it and that, that, you know, that kind of, 
But Tate. really fascinating the connection between what we put in our bodies and what can sure. be triggered, like the food that we eat, processed sugar, all that stuff that can trigger unhealthy feelings on the inside, but also things like mental health issues. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's 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 really crazy, actually. Um, and that's basically that's basically how I got out of it. Um, so and I so I wait. love this because you've you've pretty much you know, self-medicated, and I don't mean with medication, but you figured this out for yourself. But then you mentioned a therapist. So yeah. at what point did you kind of go, actually, I want to consolidate yeah, so, or learn about this? Yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing what I did because I right. suffered for a lot longer than I than I would have. But I just, you know, the way that, and this is why I'm kind of engaged with what we're doing uh, time with now is because I didn't look, because I didn't want to shell out a bunch of money when I didn't even know what was wrong with me or what I needed. Yeah. Um, but... But I so so I was kind of so I was basically fine. That was this that was in like February the year after. So kind of like ten months from the original kind of problem starting. And then the rest of the year I was fine. I had like a sort of trigger again in November, but I kind of I kind of knew how to get out of it by that point. When I triggered, I was like, okay, you're not going to compromise. Okay, so I, so I already had developed the toolkit, but then it kind of wasn't going away. You know, it was I was fine, but it was still there and stuff like that. And I was like interested to know, can I just eradicate it completely? So I thought, well, let's let's see a therapist. And I also, you know, was by this point, I was um, I was working for time with, and I was, I, you know, I was interested in improving myself anyway. Okay. Yeah. So I, so basically, so anyway, the first few sessions we started out, and she um, she gave she basically kind of confirmed what I had thought, and she gave me some exercises like um, she she told me to do like attention training exercises because she says that I I I'm basically too yeah my attention was fully rested in focused on my body rather than like engaging in the world outside. Yeah. And so she would give me exercises like, you know, listening to music lyrics. Cause I was told her that I love music, but I'm too much of a space cadet to actually <laughs> listen to what the lyrics are. So she would give me these exercises and, and also kind of told me to keep uh, meditating. And that's actually the first, the thing that I forgot to mention was that mindfulness was really, 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 it was a, you know, such a help to me, particularly in the, in the dark time, in the really bad times where I would have a trigger and usually it would take me a week to get back to sort of like feeling okay and feeling more normal. But I, when I was really bad and then I, I started doing like an hour of meditation a day, so 30 minutes in the morning, 30 hour, minutes in the evening. Wow. Who do, yeah. Where did you learn about meditation? Was that your own research or did you? Um, I've, I'd actually already started doing it before because mm. I was just curious about it. I thought maybe I, I was, was worried about how sort of erratic my brain can be sure so it was a family friend mentioned headspace and so it was headspace that i started using and it was actually amazing like i went like i said i was it was taking me like from a monday so it's supposed that the trigger would happen on a sunday yeah it was taking me originally till the following friday to feel anything like normal when i started um meditating i started increasing it to like an hour a day it would i would be fine by like tuesday evening or like by wednesday so it literally halved so it is a real real like I can like that was really helped me kind of good like when it was bad that kind of really helped me manage the process and um, so she also gave me exercises around that um and yeah and that's pretty much where we've where we've left it on that so now at any time that I, I I still do suffer from these things sometimes I do get triggers and stuff like that but the main thing is I'm more at ease because I I have a clinical explanation for it I you understand that, yeah. I understand what's wrong with me, and I know I've been out of it before, and I basically just know how to monitor my activities to make sure I'm not kind of compounding things again. And I've also got a toolkit in um, this attention training and mindfulness to kind of get out of it again. 
And what, like, when did you get comfortable talking openly about all of this? Because you're so open and there's so much around male conditioning or around don't show weakness. Like there's so much around that. So what was it for you? Um, I, yeah, I, I've actually always been somebody who doesn't really share a lot about myself. Right. Um, but in this particular instance, I don't know. I was, I was telling everyone. <laughs> okay. I, I guess know. you were trying to figure it out. And Maybe I was trying to figure it out. Uh, maybe I... The stig- I didn't feel so much of a stigma because I thought it was something physical. I That's didn't know true. what it was. Yeah. So maybe that helped me. Whereas I, if it would have been, if I would have known, if I would have well, at least had the perception that it was something more psychological, maybe I would have been more subject to the stigma and a bit more kind of mindful. So you weren't, so you weren't going around saying, I've got anxiety and these are my stuff. It was like, I get this tingling or I get this thing and I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, well, I was saying, I've got, I was thinking I was calling it like physical anxiety. And I was saying that, you know, I was sometimes feeling depressed and stuff like that. But I think maybe I felt like I had a sort of explanation for it. So that's why I was so kind of comfortable talking about it. So I, I was actually, yeah, I actually spoke to a lot of people about that. And that was helpful in some ways because it, I mean, if you think about the osteopath, even though it didn't solve my problem, you know, it did help really? me. Really? Yeah. Particularly around like there was one Christmas holiday where it was so, so bad. And I was like, you know, you, you think about the food you eat at Christmas. And, so and all the time like, you have to ruminate. And all the time and stuff like that. So it really helped me through that. But So that was speaking to a friend. And then obviously the main conversation which gave me the kind of big realization was with another friend of mine. So um, so that was huge. That was really important. And, and I, it, was, it was kind of out of character because I don't usually share too much of myself. And so how do you manage it now? So you've got this toolkit, you've mentioned a few things like mindfulness, like, is it very preventative? Do you have to do daily routines? Or is it more like you can notice the signs when you're getting to a trigger point? Like, how do you manage it or keep it in check? Yeah, well, I'm still not as I still do. I still am much more aware of these things. And I still am a bit more anxious than I need to be. So I'd still it still was on my mind sometimes like when I am eating certain foods and stuff like that. But generally all right but basically i just make sure that i don't start making these compensatory behaviors so i'm just like very very careful to be like like i said in the november you know a couple of months before i started seeing the therapist when i had it really quite came back quite badly i was just like you know exactly what to do just meditate and just don't compromise don't start acting like you're there's something wrong with you just keep going just keep going keep living as you've been living um and don't get yourself don't allow yourself to sort of slip into a negative cycle um so i've always so i've always been quite good at that as well like when i'm stressed i'm just like i never drink when i'm when i've had a stressful day at work i never drink because i'm so i'm very conscious about like starting a cycle so that's kind of how i treat about treat it and helps i guess the way that my my mind works that i'm always analyzing what i'm doing so that probably even though that caused the issue yeah it's like quite, a good thing and a bad thing it's too. quite helpful because yeah. I'm, I'm very like i'm very reflective and so i'm just like okay don't do that that was a bad idea that that's 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 how you start issues that's how you start going down the same you know the same journey that you went on so that's basically that's how i deal with it now really yeah so super self-reflective thinking about your body triggers but also your mindset so you know how do you compromise or fall into old patterns and i love that like if people can just remember that line of um behaving as if you're totally healthy uh that then you don't sort of spiral or fall into uh that sort of the depth of despair exactly like you know, what your your subconscious can't be reasoned with logically so just you've got to think about what messages you're sending to your subconscious what are the behaviors that you're you know that you're taking and 
what what is that telling your subconscious and, and what are the implications of that going to be in the kind of chemicals it releases in your body in my particular case it was just cortisol tap almost <laughs> with, yeah as soon as I'd wake up in the morning you know the cortisol tap would get turned on and that kind of thing yeah at the at so the top end of it like yeah um and so finally what advice would you give to your younger self who was in the initial stages of symptoms both physical and mental and and you're on this train of figuring it all out but what what could you have done differently what advice would you give um i would have i think just bit just gone for medical help earlier so see a therapist i was i maybe it was a pride thing i don't know but i just really wasn't accepting that i might have a mental health issue um and so i you know if i just would have gone and if i would have just gone a lot earlier and just spoken to various therapists and stuff like that i was obviously conscious of the cost and stuff like that but instead of you know often if you're trying to just be in too don't try and be too independent get help yeah uh, i'm kind of glad if i'm being honest i'm kind of glad how it panned out but i wouldn't recommend it in hindsight because i learned a lot about myself um, I definitely developed some resilience, and but um, it's just not really advisable to. Well, you're to... saying you could have used the backup, and so if somebody's struggling, like get the backup, and it could be a therapist, but it could be a community, it could be an online sure. chat room, it could be a coach, it could be whatever it might be to just get it out of your head, because that's yeah. what you're doing is trying to figure it out inside, which is part of the problem, and kind yeah. of working it out with someone. And yeah, I think because I think the main, the most important thing is to detach. So I'm quite obsessed with this notion of detachment because I started listening to this uh, this Navy SEAL podcast, and he always talks about like when you're in a situation when your ego's you know like starts directing your decision, detach. Um, and so definitely like what it really takes is detachment because that's when you get the perspective on like how am I living my life? Like how am I what like like am I am I acting like a normal person right now? Am I or am I acting like someone who is just like like chronically anxious? And I kind of didn't really realize that but it was speaking to other people speaking to my cousin and stuff like that where when you speak to other people when you get other perspectives it helps you kind of get out of yourself so um, so the act of speaking to people allows you or helps you to detach and i guess it, the meditation as well can help you get a bit of distance from the fight or flight reaction for sure yeah it, it can help you and i mean it's something that you can do yourself as well and ideally we get better at doing ourselves and kind of analyzing ourselves objectively but I, the the analogy I always I don't know how good it is, but the analogy I had in my head when I first kind of started realizing this was like when I used to watch like these the biggest loser shows or the uh, Weight Watcher show, and like at the oh, yeah. beginning of the, at the beginning of the episode, the first thing that would happen would be the presenter would come in and they'd say, okay, right, let's see what your weekly diet looks like, um, and obviously they would just bring in like hordes of like Coca Cola deep fried pizzas, all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so you know when you've done that, it's like well. It's no surprise. It's no surprise that you know that you're massively you're, overweight and unhealthy. You're overweight, exactly. And so, and in my particular case, well, if you're if you were just being really pedantic about every single decision you're taking, what you eat, um, how much you're exercising, all that kind of stuff, then you know you are you are by definition an anxious person, even if you don't think you're a warrior. And so you you're going to end up anxious, and your body is going to end up you know battling these symptoms. And so if you could, I know I said finally earlier, but I'm always curious about whether people appreciate their adversity in hindsight. Like, are you almost like, do you wish you didn't have anxiety? Do you, do you can you see what it's given to you as far as character and resilience? Like, do, do you think it's played a part in making you who you are as a necessary or useful? 
No, I so I actually I wouldn't change if I if I could go back I actually wouldn't really have changed it for sure. Why? Um, it, there's sometimes where you know I, I kind of I don't I'm not always so perfectly um, sort of stoic about it. Like often, of course, you know, where, you know yeah. A lot of the time I'm you know I fall back into that, but on the whole I really I I, I reflect on it positively. Um, I think that it, it kind of gave me it gave me resilience. It made me empathise a lot more with with other people because obviously mental health issues are growing a lot, and it means that you can really help someone out. Um, like my friend told me that the friend that I said we came out and said he'd been depressed and used to self-harm. Like he, I was the first person of well, one of the first friends of his he told, because he was like, when you were telling me about what was going on with you. And so he knew that you would get it. Exactly. So it's helped me become a more empathetic person and definitely gave me a lot of confidence in myself in, in my resilience and stuff like that. Cause I, cause I'd never been really tested. I didn't know I was unsure. I didn't necessarily. I, I didn't really know what kind, what I was made of, and whether I, I, you know, I had um, the the capability of getting through resilience. I think, um, and so, so I, I do reflect on it positively now, um, which uh, which is obviously part of why I'm better. I think it's sort of like catch twenty two there. You've got some um, purpose within it, within the work that you do, within the friendships that you have, and um, you you've you've like worked it as into part of your life. Yeah, no, exactly. If I if I was still lamenting it now, I wouldn't be better. So that's so good to hear. So if you're in the victim mode of like, oh, I wish, and this shouldn't happen to me, or that that person should have done that to me, or whatever, we get stuck in that. It just yeah. isn't the way to recovery. That's well, in my experience, that's definitely been the case. Fascinating, fascinating. Thank you so much for uh, your, no your straight talking vulnerability. If people want to connect with you in some way, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn, um, Seba Beckesis, or on Twitter as well. So I'm Seba Beckesis one on Twitter. We'll put um, that so, in the show notes so people know how to spell it. Yeah. Uh, good luck to them on that one. I know, I'll have to research. I'll find it. <laughs> um, Seb, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through petrabelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.